Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day, listeners. Oh, gosh. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I may have been out in the sun a bit too long. Coxie, I'm feeling a bit loopy. Is that what did it, Warwick? It was the sun? Yes, it was the the UV exposure and my two brain cells got so hot that they bumped into each other and made me a bit crazy. Causing all the friction in your brain, Warwick? Yes. Now, speaking of sunshine and photosynthesis. Good Lord. (laughs) This is a long bow. Uh, We are plowing into a great episode today (laughs) with um, someone who is probably a bit of a different guest to the Tradies in Business annals, the, the, the hallowed halls of the Tradies in Business podcast. Um, Today's guest is a farmer. And a refreshing farmer indeed. Not just any farmer, a refreshing farmer. There you go, Charlie. You heard it here, mate. Um, (laughs) So, listeners, we are talking to a farmer today, but not just any old farmer. And um, I don't think he's old. But uh, Charlie Arnott, who is a biodynamic beef, lamb, etc. farmer on Byron Bay in New South Wales. Um, Originally grew up in country New South Wales. Kind of where you're from, Coxie. We're very close, actually, like within half an hour from one another, if you I think actually, he's in the direction. Yeah. You actually know how to say the town where he grew up? No, I don't. So I'm oh. not hoping. <laughs> they have to throw me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Charlie Arnott is, uh, he actually is a podcaster as well. He has another podcast called The Regenerative Journey. Go check that one out. Um, he is a farmer, but he's doing things differently. He, um, he shares his story of making a bunch of mistakes, uh, waking up to new ways, getting himself educated, changing old practices to get better results. I mean, it sounds a bit like a trade business, Coxie. It does sound like a trade business, isn't it? It's a very refreshing view from outside that you can apply in. I'm Mm. really keen to hear what our listeners think of today's episode. Mm. So there's some fantastic lessons here from someone who is, as you say, Coxie, outside the trades, although still very much blue collar and I think... Uh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, and if you do, well, that's your choice. Um, farmers and uh, tradies, I think, have a lot in common uh, when you when you boil it down to working with your hands and disliking time inside in the office doing paperwork. So, a lot of great lessons from Charlie. Um, it is a longer one today, so um, give yourself a bit more time to listen to all of it, or do it in a couple of parts. We do talk at the end a bit about some um, some reasonably important issues, I think, Coxie, like, I don't know, the environment. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit important. Food, I think, for anybody who eats food, as Charlie says, anybody who eats food here, you'll be interested in this one. Um, anyone with kids, this is a great episode. Um, and anybody who'd like to change. So uh, uh, you'll hear me fanboy a little bit. Um, I'll probably get a little excited and giggly. Because uh, I am a Regen Ag fan, and I've been listening to Charlie's podcast for a bit, uh, so I hope you get some nuggets dug up out of the soil, or potatoes, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, you're just dropping these. I am so glad that we record these without our guests present because I'm sure <laughs> they would sit there and roll their eyes and think, oh, my God, what are these two on? They'll just hang out the call. Sorry, bad <laughs> line. Bad line, can't hear you. Was it? Can't hear you. Sorry, is this thing on? All right, enough waffle from me. Um, enjoy today's episode and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Enjoy. Radio listeners, we are joined by a bit of a guest with a difference today at Tradies and Business Podcast. Uh, we're joined by Mr. Charlie Arnott. Charlie, welcome to the show, mate. Was thank you for, uh, for having me. And as always, we've got Nicole here. Hi, Nicole. Hello. How are we all? <laughs> now, big chirpy today's guest, um, I say a guest with a difference because Probably it would be easy to think that, Charlie, you come from outside of uh, trade business land. Um, I've probably always considered the trades to be a blue-collar profession, and I, I feel like farming, uh, my family has a bit of a farming background as well. I feel like that's very firmly in the blue-collar space. So I probably, you know, I, I include a lot of them together, but um, probably is uh, quite different to trade businesses. Can you give us a bit of a brief history of Charlie Arnott so everybody knows who the heck you are, mate, and why we're talking to a, a beef farmer on the program today? Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully I can um, I can keep everyone's attention uh, over, the, over the period of the interview um, talking farming. So was I grew up, um, born and grew up at, um, uh, on a family farm at Burrawa. Burrawa is about an hour and a half north of... Uh, Canberra, New South Wales, and very conventional farming background. I grew up there, mum and dad and my brother, um, outside every day, mustering, climbing trees, um, you know, swimming in dams. <clears throat> a wonderful childhood. Uh, and went away to school, um, uh, went, did boarding school for 10 years, which was, which, is, um, which was wonderful, and went pearl diving when I left school, then went to university for a couple of years, Worked in pubs in Sydney for a while and then went back home to manage the farm. Um, and so I moved back to Burrawa in 1997, I think it was, and um, took over management there, conventional farming. Uh, and when I say that, just for your listeners, <clears throat> I guess my, my, my um, definition of conventional farming or industrial farming is one that really relies on a lot of inputs. You, you, you generally create a lot of stuff and, and produce a lot of stuff, a lot of outputs, but the inputs are um, significant, <clears throat> excuse me, and in, in a very, as I say, a very prescribed manner. Like if there's a recipe, we, you know, we, we're cropping and we, at this time of year we spray this and we do that and we do that and then hopefully you'll get, a, you'll get an outcome. So, um, and also another, I guess, defining point about conventional farming is that you are relying on a lot of other people, a lot of other businesses for for, you, for your business to work. So you buy, because you're buying a lot of stuff, you, you've got a stock and station agent to sell your animals, you're buying fertiliser, you're buying chemical. Um, it's complex, <clears throat> um, not necessarily complicated. Uh, however, um, that was that was normal farming life for me and for most farmers in Australia or around the world really is this very interdependent relationship on other people. <clears throat> now, about 15 years ago, and we, so we were growing beef, um, you know, lamb, mutton, um, crops, you know, wheat, um, barley, oats, we were, we were 
you know, cutting hay um, to feed animals and, you know, they were ploughing, a lot of spraying. It was a really busy business. Um, and then about 15 years ago, I threw a series of courses I did, workshops I did, a few tension events, as, as, um, as we say. Um, I, I just changed, changed the way I, I, I started thinking, decisions I made, my approach to farming, what I was seeing, you know, I, I was, as I say, you know, I changed the paper for my ears first, you know, before I went and went, oh, that sounds like a good idea, and went outside and started doing something differently. Um, for me, and this may ring true for, you know, your listeners is, you know, Often there's, there's adversity at those points in your life that you have to change and there's pain. You know, humans respond much more to pain than pleasure generally. Um, and I was no different. Um, there was some pain and then I pivoted. I changed the paddock between my ears, broke some paradigm, people paradigms about farming um, and how we've been farming for all those years. And then set sail on a, on a journey into regenerative agriculture, as I say, um, which is essentially one where we are less reliant on other people, ex less reliant on external inputs. Um, we work with nature. You know, when I was farming uh, conventionally, you know, I'd wake up every morning and go out and kill something. Um, might have been a, might have been a, you know, a bug. Might have been a weed. Um, might have been light on the back of a sheep, something, you know. For me, it was all about uh, battling nature and, and trying to master nature in some ways and mine the resources I had. Um, and so my different, the paradigms I broke were, or new ones I created were, um, <clears throat> you know, and this, this, may, this may be true for some of your listeners too, is that given a lot of my work from nature and outside and so on is that, you know, I started considering that nature was my most valuable business partner. You know, and, and you, don't, you don't you don't treat your business partners badly. Mm. And I didn't I, I didn't didn't treat nature well, and I didn't consider it a business partner. And no one's no one's ever won battling nature. Ever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, you know, but you hear it all the time on the on the TV and, and radio. Government saying you know farmers are battling drought. Um, you know, or, or, or you know, battling battling market prices, or you know, all this talk about battling—it's always in, it's always associated. I'm finding with with things that are out of our control anyway. Like it's just why, why do we why do we do that? You know. So 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 one more little sort of I guess facet of what we do now is we focus on what we're in control of. You know, um, and we and we try and not get so head up about. What's out of our control? So, um, you know, I get that. Look, that's that's my five minute elevator pitch. There it was. Nice, mate. <laughs> nice, mate. I'd be I'd be pretty keen to buy something off you, mate, based on the elevator pitch. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, to, ready to go. You don't know what I'm. You don't know what I'm selling now. <laughs> <laughs> you're selling the dream, Charlie. That's what you're selling, mate. Yeah. Now, so that, well, that's in some ways you're not you're not not far wrong that. Um, uh, what I not so much selling, but what I'm advocating um, wherever I can, because I think it's you know it's good use of my time, um, is uh, a different way of farming. You know, mm. it starts with a different way of thinking, and I think that also you know probably applies your again your listeners is, um, you know, 
there's lots of tools we can use, but if we don't have the right mindset to use it or have the experience or the or the or the the kind of the right paradigm or the right context for using yeah. that tool, yeah. then you know the tool in the hand of an ignorant person or an inexperienced person can be bloody dangerous. Absolutely, mate. We're uh, we're seeing that in the world at the moment, Charlie. And uh, mate, it's it's one of the reasons that I was super keen to get you on the podcast and um, I'm just going to come straight out and, and say a couple of things before Coxie actually drops me in it uh, and, and steals my thunder. I never do that to you. <laughs> but um, my wife and I are both um, pretty passionate uh, Regen Ag followers and, um, yeah. and that's sort of come from our own personal health journey as much as anything else. Uh, where you know really i i do come from a farming background um a couple of generations ago and my wife's family are commercial beekeepers so you know we sort of have that connection to food and food production but um just for our own personal health we've really become much more um maybe not aware but um probably attuned to food where it comes from where it should come from what's this you know the old word of sustainable and i suppose um for our listeners benefit um, I can see a lot of parallels between what you've done, Charlie, and the journey you're on with, I guess, in some ways, having to change your headspace in order to um, change the results you're getting. You know, you talk about doing battle with nature. I feel like our listeners go out and do battle with customers. They do battle with governments and legislative bodies and regulators. And sadly, some of them are doing battle with spouses as well. Um and their kids, and I think it's it's that, uh, I think in Regen Ag circles anyway, we talk about that sort of reductionist view or extractive way of doing business. So mm-hmm. I have a question at the end of that uh, thing. Um, yes, Coxie, I'm a fanboy. Charlie, there you go, I said it. Uh, love your podcast, <laughs> mate. And, um, and I just, yeah. I, I really do admire people who are putting their money where their mouths are and doing it differently. Um, and willing to teach others and perhaps inspire others to change. So, mate, what were some of those tension events? Like how the hell did you go from an extractive industry mining the, the land to all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but uh, to changing the way you do things, changing your business model? Like what were some of your tension events that you talked about? Um, good question. So I, I changed – Around 2000, just to put a sort of time marker on, about 2004, um, we we're you know a couple of years into the millennial drought. Um, we had a few reprieves from it here and there, but you know it was a pretty tough couple of years. And I was really questioning the, you know, I guess the word I might have been using back then, was sustainability of it, you know, the longevity of it, of, of that kind of management, but also of me, like I was. I was a bit over it, you know. I was I was starting to question, you know, why were we sending all our cattle because we couldn't feed them at Burrawa because we had no grass because we'd eaten it all. Why are we sending them up in June in Queensland to feed them? We had a we had a station up there, so that's where they went. But they'd all they they'd been they went from Burrawa to Tamworth to in June, and I think they were away for about I don't know nine, twelve months. It was. And that for me was normal. When I was a kid, we sent cattle on a gist and that was what happened. And I just started, it took years for me to actually 
you know, as I, as I say, ask myself big questions. I wasn't asking myself questions. I wasn't curious enough because I just, I was just, I wasn't even happy with the status quo. I was just doing the status quo, you know. And and so there was a sort of general slow burn, as it were, of pressure, you know, and just stuff. You know, I was watching Paddock's blind wine win. Um, I have very vivid memories of watching, you know, a paddock of ours, a crossbred ewes in there, we were feeding them grain in the bloody the soil with this stuff that I knew a bit about. I've been to uni and learned all about it and stuff, but again, a very reductionist type of framework, you know, science degree. <laughs> um, I saw this stuff that I knew I needed blowing in the wind and got going to New Zealand probably or down to Tassie or something. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> so these things were happening that were... I probably thought out of my control, but probably were really in my control. I mean, the fact we had no grass was because I'd eaten it all because I left cattle and there to eat it. And then, you know, like at the end of the day, if I, those cattle were there, the grass would have stayed and it wouldn't have blown away in the wind. So, so there were these sort of slow burn, these things happening. And then there was, there was, you know, it was tough, you know. Um, emotionally, I was starting to question who I was. You know, was I really cut out for this thing, you know, to get you down after a few years of that sort of stuff. Um, so there, and, and then as a result of, of being in that sort of a um, questioning mindset, I, I, <clears throat> I, was, I was looking for, I was looking just to do something different, just to go, well, where, where do I put my energy now? You know, how can I sort of start finding some focus again with this farming caper? <clears throat> and I went to a course, this is a probably a, a, certainly a, a, a catalyst for change, the course in Burua called Profiting from the Drought. And I looked at that in the paper and went, what a joke. I mean, how do you prop from a drought? So anyway, I went along. It was wonderful. Changed my life in that I started asking myself a bit of questions. I, um, you know, I, the guy who ran the course said to me uh, at lunchtime, you know, are you happy? And I said, well, I'm not unhappy. Um, but that's a pretty piss poor answer, you know. And I really started <clears throat> questioning, you know, was this a really good use of my time? I was a son of a farmer. Does that mean I could be a farmer? Um, I loved the landscape I lived in, but it was looking like shit because I was flogging it, but I thought that was normal, you know, this sort of seasonal fluctuation of feed and growth and rain and then no rain. And so, and then I did some, and then really I started, like, get back back to the my previous point about changing the paddock between my ears. I started changing paradigms and asking myself questions. I started asking other people questions. Um, I started reading. I went to some workshops. I, I knew I had to train myself up and I knew I had to start. Um, I had to start again in a way, I thought, you know. And I went cold turkey, you know, I, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone. And when I say cold turkey, I, I was doing a course and halfway through, it's a week long course. I rang the boys at the, at, the, at, the, at, um, at the farm and I said, you know, I gave them some orders of essentially they were, or, you know, tasks that, that were I'd learned that day, you know, the day before, put some mobs together. did cost me, I think, just some changes in approach, you know. Um, one thing I went cold turkey is I stopped spraying chemical, you know, and, I, and I'd met my, my wife or my to-be wife um, around the same time and, you know, she was, she was eating organic before there were organic shops, you know. She was just that way inclined. And um, she, uh, that, that's not for me, thankfully. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it could be, it could be. Um, And so, you know, she, so putting it in the context of like 
my own personal health and, and my family. You know, that was a whole different thing. I never thought really about chemical that I was spraying all over the paddocks on cattle and on weeds on on the soil could do me any harm. Um, and I suddenly thought, shit, this is this. You know, maybe it's going to do me some harm. I was well, I wasn't stirring things with my arm like people probably used to do, but I was. You know, I wasn't wearing protective gear. You know, I, I was thinking oh, they wouldn't they wouldn't sell the stuff that was dangerous. <laughs> you know, I and mean, they probably Slightly did say naive, mate. Oh, totally. You know, but really, it was like no, there weren't really many rules and regulations around it back then. You didn't have to. Now you need a, you need a need a chem certificate to handle this stuff, and you go and do a course. Yeah. Um, there was no such thing back then. So, um, I, I, I guess you know. I hope I'm getting to the answering your question. There was, but I mean, there were. There were many things. Some were over a long period of time. Some were immediate. Some were, you know, a second where things happened. Um, and thank God they did because I, I don't know what I'd be doing now. You know, I'd probably be not as healthy. Um, I'd be, I'd be, I mean, who knows? I'm, I, I, I started to think, you know, what, what would have happened if I hadn't changed. Maybe I would have been okay. I, I don't know. But... <clears throat> I certainly am, am, am grateful that for whatever reason, um, you know, obstacles were put in my way <clears throat> that I had to get around or get over or go through that then pushed me to make some decisions and, and think differently. Mm. Charlie, uh, I'm intrigued to know when we change the way we think, it seems to bring up a lot of objections from those around us. And knowing a little about uh, farming families and farming communities, I can imagine some of that objection that you would have fallen into. And I'd love to hear how you tackled that objection because your ideas are not traditional. They're very different. Um, They're not easily embraced by those people that continue to do the same as they've always been taught. And it can feel quite threatening to the people around us. So I'm really keen to hear how you dealt with that when it did come up for you? Good question. So um, I guess I'll, I'll just sort of start by saying um, what I do differently now, what I'm doing is different to what I used to do and, and, I'm, and I, I don't want to give anyone the impression that what, it, what people are doing now that I used to do is wrong. It's more I'm just glad I'm not doing that anymore and, and and I, I like to talk to people and encourage people to look at things differently. Whether they choose to do that is another thing. And as, as you just said, you know, there's lots of barriers potentially for people to change the way they think. <clears throat> and as you say, some of them are um, are internal. Well, let's, some of them are external in that they're family members, external to oneself, you know, and it's dad. I mean, that was a big thing for me was, you know, if I change what I'm doing, which is what dad used to do, is that making dad wrong? Mm. Um, and then you know he's, he is amazing for many reasons, but one is that he really he really um, supported me in what I did. You know, he actually started coming to some of the conferences I was going to, and he joined the sort of these business boards things that I'd take him to these conferences and we'd talk about them, and he'd sit in on these things, and he'd get to know the people I was hanging out with, and you know, <clears throat> joining those conversations, and he was getting more and more comfortable with what I was doing. He didn't have to do that, you know. Um, he could have dug his heels in. So I'm very grateful for that. And there's lots of families I know who, where the older generation made it very hard because, you know, the fear of change, their, their sons or daughters lost the plot, 
you know, how do they expect to run a business in this new crazy way? You know, lots of different paradigms. Um, but I was lucky. So that was that was that was good. Um, I guess internally I, I was I was worried about what people were gonna think and, and how that was going to play out socially and culturally. Um, having said that, generally I don't know, I probably didn't do many things um, by the book. Um, historically, you know, in, in my life doing what I did. Uh, my background was, was pretty conventional, but I guess my behaviour and the way I approached things wasn't. Um, so this was, again, a reflection of just the maturity in, in being a farmer and changing and, and um, yeah, and, and I guess, you know, getting over myself and thinking, well, if I don't do it, you know, I don't make these decisions and if I don't, follow my intuition, which is another thing that, that I've got much better at doing. I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but it's something that farmers have lost, I think, is following their intuition. If I didn't listen to myself and my feelings, God forbid farmers have feelings, by the way. Um, so, you know, um, you know, if I didn't do that, um, I knew that was going to be not a good thing. You know, I, I knew to keep going the way I was going was, was, was not going to be good. In terms of the community, I mean, look, People always thought I was a bit of a kook anyway, I think. So um, that, didn't, that didn't change too much. Yeah, in a, in a way, I wasn't like, I mean, I was doing things very conventionally, but at the same, you know, in terms of the farming practices, but I guess how I was doing it and might have been a little different. Um, but, yeah, that, that, is, that, is a, that is the biggest hurdle. It's, it's changing those paradigms. It's, it's, it's breaking down the societal norms, you know, because it isn't normal to be doing this sort of farming that I'm doing. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, it's about <clears throat> doing what you think is the right thing to do, for, you know, to, to, to find your purpose, to, um, to express yourself. You know, as farmers, we have a wonderful opportunity to express our creativity in the landscape and, and within our business, with our animals and our trees and our pastures and whatever. You know, that's not something farmers don't consider themselves artists or creative people. I mean, they might have had a crop, you know as it were, but in terms of the partnering with nature to create something that's beautiful, that's not something we really think about. Um, I didn't anyway. <clears throat> but then, you know, I knew that changing my, my mind, well, I come from a pretty creative artistic family, but I wasn't really being creative. And I knew this new way of farming was going to afford me the opportunity to, to really express myself much better, you know. And here I am talking to you guys 15 years later on a, on a podcast. You know, that's not, that was not nowhere near. I mean, I probably didn't have a podcast back then anyway. But, you know, my point is it's led me to so many wonderful things off farm um, as, 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 well as well as on. And I, I, I think I'll finish that one, Nicole, by saying if you don't have a few enemies, you're not having a go. You know, oh, I totally and, agree. And, and, and that's not, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not suggesting people should go out and do that on purpose. But, you know, for some time I was, and I am in some ways still a bit of a pleaser. You know, I, I don't like upsetting people, um, especially ones close to me. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't be responsible for people's emotions. And I'm getting better at just saying as saying it as it is, you know, and, and, and following my, and again, following my intuition. And, and you're not going to make everyone happy all the time. And, um, again, it's not to say you push back on purpose, but sometimes... Your actions are going to upset people, and um, you've you got a choice every second of the day. You got a choice as to how how you behave and and what your actions are. You know?
but you don't you don't have a choice as to how people will respond. Hmm. I agree. I'm I'm also interested to know where you found the courage to take the first step. Because I feel with our tradies quite often they've done some self-education, they're ready to take a step to do things a little bit differently, but they are finding it hard to find the courage to take that first step in a different direction. Where did that come from for you? Uh, Good one. Um, I guess I went cold turkey, I guess I said, and when I say that, I stopped chemical use and did some pretty hardcore changes immediately within days, within weeks. Um, That's the kind of guy I was and because I guess... And, and I wouldn't suggest anyone do that. Um, and in your world, I, I would suggest take baby steps, you know, if it's, a, if it's from a financial point of view and it's about committing funds to a different way of doing things. Now, in farming, say, and the easiest way for me to put this is if you're spending, I'm saying, 100 bucks a hectare, you know, area of land on inputs, you know, cropping, whatever, carve off 10 bucks, 10% of that, and, and do it differently. You know, 20% if you're feeling, feeling a bit crazy. But, you know, just step into it lightly. Don't blow the bank. Don't, don't change your budget, as it were, but just change the allocation. That's a very sort of simple financial way to look at it. Um, and that's not too hard. That's not, again, it's not like, you know, throwing away everything you've learned and, 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 and just hoping for the best. That's just a, a nice measured way to do it. And then depending on the results, then you can put 30% away next year or whatever, you know, incrementally, and you work on that. Um, I guess um, uh, I've lost my train of thought there now. Um, yeah, the, 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 the change, I think finding, finding a mentor or someone else in your business, in your industry who's done it, you know, it's a very it's a Tony Robbins thing to say, but I love it, is that, you know, don't, you don't have to make the same mistakes everyone else has made. If you find those people who've made the mistakes, they've learnt and they've changed their way and they've, you know, they're identified as being leaders in your space, you know, heading in the direction you want to go, following their footsteps and 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 just jump, literally get on board, you know, talking about courage, email them, ask them, you know, sort of identify because they've been where you are now, you know, they've been there before and anyone worth following is, is, is going to want to, at least give you some time a day and 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 give you a bit of bit of a hand. So I mean, there's actually and then there got some wonderful mentors that um, I ring often, and it's a sounding board, you know. And they and it's good for them too because you know they're, they're generally a bit older than me, and 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 they like giving back. You know, as we get older in life, I'm finding I want to give back more, and and these people do. So you might be really surprised at how many people are willing to help you if you just ask them for help. And if they say no, they say no, that's fine. Move on to someone else. There's so many resources out there um, that that we can, you know, jump into, um, you know, Google and, and books and so on. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's just, again, just having the courage to, it's really hard to unknow these things. If you go to a course like I did, and I and I, and I spoke to farmers who were doing this new way of farming, I saw the stats. You know, there's, there's a fair bit of science around this sort of stuff, and you know, even just in terms of like chemical use, like I couldn't go backwards. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't unknow or unhear what I'd heard. And for me, 
there was there was also a bit of guilt attached to what I, my changes as well because I've been spraying the crap out of food for years mm. and probably poisoning people, to put it bluntly. I was not at all contributing to people's health, um, I don't think. So, you know, there was some guilt in me going, you know what, it's actually, I think I've got a responsibility to change here, you know. So that may also be a motivation for people to change, just, just be, you know, whether it's because of, the, you know, their family, financial situation, health of their kids, I don't know. You know, you, you were talking, uh, was there earlier about um, food and, you know, sort of the, the, the changes people make to their diet, whether it's, you know, a health event has, has, has pushed in that direction. But, you know, once, once you learn about human health and its connection with food and mental health and, and then farming and where your food's from, um, you know, it, I, 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 it's a pretty compelling reason to change how you eat and how you behave and how you live. Charlie, would you say farming is a business? Is a business. Mm. Um, that's a good question. One I've never been asked before was. Um, it is. I mean, it is a. It is a business. It, it's. It's the. Uh, that's the context of the business. The content is really up to you. How mm. what what you do within the context of that business. Now we use holistic farm management sort of principles in ours, and we look at the whole. We don't. You know, we don't look at doing one thing and expecting it to sort of not impact other other areas of it. Um, you know, our business, we like to think works a bit like nature works in that everything is connected and you can't remove something from nature or remove something from a business or, or change something in the business and it not, you know, sort of have some knock-on effect, some, some hopefully positive um, impact on it. So um, it is a business because as much as I enjoy it, we've still... You know, we've 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 still got to survive, and we've still got to justify being there, and we've still, um, you know, we we it's not it's not a hobby. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a purpose. It's a real purpose. Um, yeah. The reason I ask well. that question. So sorry. <clears throat> the, no, no, the, you go. You go. The reason I ask that question, um, and surprisingly, we've got some internet lag today. Well, I do. I don't know if that's just because. Uh, <laughs> got to travel all the way up there from Tassie. But uh, I, I see a lot of parallels between farming and our trade-based business owner listeners. Um, you know, a lot of people get into the trades because they're, they're either good with their hands or they suck at the other stuff, and so they choose the work with the hands anyway. And it's generational for a lot of our tradies. Um, you know, their dad was a, was a plasterer or a builder or a plumber or something to do with that, and so they just naturally – follow that um which is pretty yeah that's pretty typical i think of that intergenerational transfer of of um vocation and a lot of them do it because they enjoy working with their hands and they hate the other stuff they hate all the stuff you've been talking about which is you know understanding the inputs and all the moving parts and working on the paddock between their ears uh and and i guess it was one of the other reasons that i, I was pretty keen to talk to you on the podcast because it's Sometimes I find it really helpful to look outside of the trades at what's going on in other industries um, for lessons there. And I, I wanted to ask about the resistance you see from other farmers who maybe recognise that there could be a better way, but they just, you know, they just can't get over that that hump. They just can't push the wagon over the 
the speed bump. Mm-hmm. Um, do you come across that, mate? And and what part do you play in actually helping some of those primary producers to make the changes? Um, we'll get just sort of backtracking there. There are a lot of similarity similarities in in farming and, and in in the trades. I mean, one is that farmers pretty much a half ass tradies themselves in everything. You know, they've got to be plumbers. They've got to be they've got to be electricians. They've got to be vets. They've got to be bloody doctors. They've got to be you know um, uh, landscape architect in some. You know, there's there's so many. Got to be you know they're they're, they're chippies. They're 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 everything. Um, a little bit. So we love working with our hands, and and yes, um, the, the intergenerational location that's a very big thing in farming. A lot of farmers that I know who've done courses that I've done actually got to the end of them and said, "Actually, I don't want to be a farmer anymore because they got clear on their vision and their goals and their purpose." You know, so it's an interesting. And people, a lot of people say, "Ah, oh, see, you know that bloody course he did. He, you know, he, he went back. He's not a farmer anymore." Is it? Yeah. Well, he actually worked out that he didn't want to be a farmer, which is a really good thing. You know, so, mm. um, uh, you know, so so he he, he changed. They changed. Um, uh, they changed what they, what they what they did. In terms of how I help, um, well, I'll back another step. You know, like any business. You know, you almost need three people in each business because you've got the creative people. You know, you've got the hands-on farmers. They like putting up the fence or, or drenching sheep or something. You know, you've got that side. You've got the then you've sort of got the you know they're the creative often the creative side. Then you've got the um, you've got the the financial sort of person who's doing the numbers. And farmers generally don't like seeing screens and doing all that sort of doing budgets and that sort of stuff too. So. Um, and then you've got sort of more operational administration type work, you know, and, and a lot of those sort of overlap as well. But for, for one individual, whether they're a trader or a farmer, you know, to be good at all those things, like can someone find me one of those people because I'm not one of them, you know, and and, and that's, I think, the pressure we often put on ourselves to, to be. And being honest and having the courage to say, oh, I need help and can someone else do my books for me or can... You know, someone else look after the governance or the administration or the compliance or whatever. It's it's a really smart thing to do. You know, playing to your strengths, I think, is a really good general policy. Um, so back to your question was about how I help people um, with that transition or to think differently. I mean, I guess um, I asked them to ask them to a better question, as I said before. You know, I asked them, are they happy? I asked them. You know, could you be doing things differently? Are you happy with the results you're currently getting? Um, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a pretty easy and absolutely cheap way to just 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 to ask people questions that they've probably never been asked before. You know, like I'm sure a lot of your trades are the listeners are, as you say, probably dad was a you know chippy or a sparky or something. I've done it. Well, I know that's fine. I'm good at it, you know. But then to ask some simple questions about, you know, do they have a bit, bigger, bigger picture vision for their life? <clears throat> you know, are they really truly happy um, uh, in, in doing what they're doing? Are they playing to their strengths? Are they geographically where they want to be? You know, um, um, are they having enough family time and going on holidays? I mean, just, just some simple questions can really pr- prompt and provoke. Some questions and some questioning, which I think is really healthy. It can be very confronting, and it can be, um, and sometimes you know the answers aren't going to be pretty. 
but having the kahunis to actually ask yourself those questions and and be honest with yourself, you know, um, I don't think we often aren't. Um, you know, back to your question there, Nicole, about you know the, the sort of social pressure or the the fear of change, and you know, we we sort of go, oh man, if I say if I answer that question, I know what it's going to be. That means I've got to do something else now. You know, I've got to be accountable for that, mm-hmm. and that can be really difficult. So, <clears throat> I mean, really, I don't, I'm no expert in anything. I have to be I have to be clear about that. I, I'm good at a few things. Um, what I think I'm good at is 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 sort of highlighting to people that there is a different way to do things, and in this in this case, farming, and and encouraging them, giving them some resources, asking a few questions. To, to go away and do their own homework, and if they don't change, that's absolutely fine because they've got they'll have their own reasons for not changing or, or not thinking differently. And that doesn't that's and again I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm right. If you don't change, you're a muppet. Um, you know, it's like man, I'm I am where I think one thing that I'm comfortable why I'm comfortable doing what I do. One of the things I do, I've been I've been where they are. You know, I've been spraying chemical on everything. I've been waking up every morning killing stuff. Um, you know, I've been at the coalface of that. In in my context of Burrawa, you know, I'm I'm not a big, you know, um, cattle farmer from the Kimberleys or anything. But I, in my context, I've, I've got a bit of an idea, and 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 um, and not being anyone's enemy about it either. I think, and and, and sort of being compassionate about where they where they are, where they've been, and where they might be able to, to go. Not sure if I even answered your question there. <laughs> well, I think you did. Because you know what? Can, can I just say one thing on the back of that? Sounds like a silly thing to say, but I mean, regenerative ag as a general thing is not prescriptive. Now, there is no recipe. There is no, this is the way you step from where you are to where you're going. And it's the same with your listeners. You know, they might be doing one thing in a particular way. Um, it's, you know, you've got to. <clears throat> If you think about changing and you, you think you know where you want to go and you might have some of the tools on the way, I'd be, I'd be cautioning people, don't just adopt things, adapt them. Adapt them to your business, adapt them to your vision, adapt them to your family's motivations and values. You know, thinking that I'll make other cheapy or something is doing it a particular way, that's what I should do. It's like, man, that's probably worse than what you're currently doing if you think you need to change because... It works for him. He's adapted it to his situation, you know. So just to, it's about taking on the principles um, and and applying them in a way that feels good. And then at that in that way, you can do it. You can do it a little bit every every time. If you just get a recipe for what to do, you're going to be going too fast, too slow, wrong things. You know, there's going to be you're going to make more mistakes. And on that one, mistakes are good. You know, they're only a mistake if you do it twice. And and that's the best way to learn. And that's, you know, I've, man, I've royally screwed a whole lot of things up. Um, still do. Um, and that's okay, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable doing it. Uh, you made a point very early on in the podcast when you were just sharing your story with us, Charlie, about focusing on what you're in control of, <laughs> which I think is probably the biggest nugget you've given us so far and we let it slide at the time. It's something that I don't feel many of us do very well. We're so busy worrying about what we actually have no control of and we're missing the bits that we can 
of what we can do to influence change or influence a better outcome. How did you change that mindset for yourself? Because that's not an easy lesson to take on board and then change the way we think to understand, okay, I've only got control of X, Y, Z. That is what I'm going to work on instead of trying to influence whether it's going to rain or shine tomorrow, which is impossible. Yeah, no, good one. Um, like in the context of farming, it's a good example of that, and you just referenced rain, is we, I used to worry about the rain, when's it going to rain, check the bloody weather all the time, and and and, and just focus on that. totally out of my control, and I wasn't thinking about, you know, if it did rain, or when it did rain, how I'm going to use it. You know, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't focusing on the right thing. So, and I, you know, I saw it in the last, you know, February, a lot of rain fell, farmers crying for rain, the rain landed and it went sideways. It took soil, water, gone, down the paddock, um, crying shame, you know, tra- a real tragedy. That, and, so, and so the way I guess we're thinking and, and, and changing how we do things, we're focusing on what we are in control of. In this case, if I want that rain to stay where it lands um, and use it, because that's ultimately one of the nice things about rain, use it to grow stuff, um, I want to. I want to. I want it to stay where it lands. So I have. Like, I retain ground cover. <clears throat> you know, grass. And how do I do that? Well, I sell my animals before. You know, they eat all that grass, and there's a whole sort of, sort of a you know knock-on effect to that. So focusing on what I, um, and in, I'm in control of how I graze my land. I'm not in control of the rain that falls on. It's pretty simple sort of stuff, really. But it took me years to work it out, and a lot. You know, and it's just it's a big paradigm. Um, to break. <clears throat> I think one thing that was um, often the things we focus on we don't want are out of our control. A lot of the things we do want is in our control. So so I just focus on what I want. And in, in, in the case of farming, I want diverse species in my pasture, my grass, or my cattle to eat so they, they're healthy and they've got a good diet. If I focus on the weeds or so-called weeds, then... It's funny where your where your focus goes. What is it? Where energy goes? Um, what's that expression? Where attention um, goes, energy flows. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's it. Well done, well done. So you know, if I'm the focus, it, I feel accomplished. No, that's actually. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, good. There's the nugget. There's the nugget right there. Um, you know, if you focus on the weeds and go, oh, bloody words, you know, you're putting energy in it, you're putting money into it, you're putting time. They're going to stay there because that's the only thing you're going to see. You're not going to be looking at the stuff you want. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's we 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 no, we don't pretend they're not there. We just don't look at them. I don't worry about them. You know, I put that to one side and I focus on, you know, what I want and 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 what you want. Well, you know, be really clear on what you want in, in any business. In any business, being clear on your your future goals, whether it's a you know, five year, ten year, one year goal. You know, you're focusing on what you want. The stuff that you might normally worry about or might come in from the side. Um, you know magically doesn't happen as often because you're just not putting the putting putting the energy into it um again um nicole it's about breaking paradigms and and and, and questioning you know the old behaviors about mm. uh, and and the old behaviors of focusing on what you're not in control of and i tell you what it's such a relief when you when you stop doing that you know mm. Because you think about it, really, I'm worrying about something that I can't control. Like if you took that out of the farming context or a you know, trading context or whatever 
And you, you know, you just said that. And they're probably going to go, yeah, you're nuts. Like, what are you, that's, but it's okay to do it in farming. It's okay to do it in trading. You know, like, why, why, why do we just do that? Yeah. And it's because we're in a paradigm, we're in a, we're in a sort of a loop of doing the same old thing. And, and, you know, and, and it's exactly what we're talking about. It's about like throwing a spanner in there and going, I'm going to get out of this loop. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I've got to break this pattern. And that's another thing about regenerative agriculture is we often talk about breaking patterns, even the patterns of grazing. You know, nature doesn't work. Nature works in patterns, but it's not like a, a structured recipe of seasonality or, or, or rainfall or anything, you know. So breaking the way we do things and questioning what we do, instead of sending, you know, your invoices out the same time every month, question, why am I even doing that? Because Dad did. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't be giving them, you know, six-week terms. I should be giving them two weeks because, you know, like just those sort of things about really thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. Love it. Love it. Charlie, uh, you've talked a bit about your, your journey so far and the old ways of farming and I guess the fact that you did change. Um, something you haven't shared yet is, and perhaps this is a way to sort of give a quick little education on uh, Regen Ag and what it actually means, but what, is, what does farming look like for you now and what does life look like for you now that you have actually made a lot of those changes, gone cold turkey, changed the paddock between the years, mate? Like, give us the contrast and the clarity. Okay. Well, I mean, the one big one is the chemical use. I'm not spending hours, you know, burning around in the spray rig spraying crap out of everything. That's, that's, I'm not getting exposed to chemical. That's pretty straightforward. Um, that goes hand in hand with what we eat. You know, we're growing a lot more of our food. Excuse me, a lot more of our food. I wouldn't have eaten the stuff that we were – like, I, there's no way I'd make a loaf of bread out of the wheat we used to grow. Um, we don't grow wheat anymore. If we did, it'd be organic essentially, and I'd be very happy to. I'd be proud of you know to do that. Um, we're growing more food ourselves, veggies. Um, we've always done home kills. Um, that hasn't changed, but now I know I can eat my lamb without knowing. You know, didn't have ivermectin it three weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> uh, so there's a, there's a sort of a internal you know health side of it, um, um, physical health. I guess from a mental health point of view, I'm much more relaxed. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm probably not doing well. I shouldn't say I'm not doing as much. It's not as complex. You know, I'm not. I don't have multiple enterprises trying to sort of be, you know, dependent of each other. And you know, whilst nature does, there's an inter, interdependency of everything on a, on a holistically managed farm and a biodynamic farm, which ours is. You're not trying to lay all these enterprises just to make money. You know, based on an economic relationship with the landscape. And now I'm, I'm, you know, just, just the virtue of the fact we're not, we're not putting as much inputs. You know, I'm not spending the time and the money on fertiliser and this. We're making our own. You know, so from a from a stress point of view, um, I'm much I'm much happier. You know, um, and I guess from a you know the third part of it is from a you know spiritual point of view, which is a you know reasonably ambiguous sort of a word. You know, it means lots of things to many people. But for me, having a relationship with my landscape and with nature and the, the things on it, the plants, the animals, the soil, the people, you know, that for me is very grounding and that is very, it's a very nurturing, it's a sense that I'm responsible for nurturing this landscape and it's nurturing me and that feels really good um, because I have a relationship with it. It's not just a resource there anymore to extract from and mine 
And it's not just like part of the, the equation getting to the answer of a, a product, you know. I grow food now. You know, before I used to grow commodities. I used to grow stuff to sell and sell to some old mate for markets, you know. I didn't care where it went as long as he paid me. Um, now I'm actually, you know, I consider, the, you know, I have a responsibility to grow food that's going to nurture people and nourish people, not poison them. <clears throat> you know, so... Um, in the context of your listeners, you know, instead of, you know, you're not just, might sound weird, but instead of bashing in a bathroom and making someone, you know, it's like it's a bathroom, it's like that's where people get clean, that's where people nurse themselves. That's a really important part of a house, as an example, you know, and having, having, the, having the reverence for their job and what they're doing, that you're, you're going to contribute, contribute significantly to the, this family's life, as an example, or a kitchen or an appliance or something. I mean, this is... It's, it's, it's going beyond it just being a job and a chore to it being a really purposeful, for me, feeling like a really purposeful um, thing you're doing. And, the, and look, the wonderful thing, you know, again, I get to work with nature, you know, in, and in nature, and that's, um, as I said, it just, it feels really good and I'm very respectful of, of, of it because it's, it's, you know, it's ever-present, it's powerful, it's not going away. I'm never going to beat it. I might as well not even think about trying. You know, you just work with it and you, it's amazing what it gives back. You know? Instead of having to take from it, it'll give to you anyway. If you get out of a transactional type of mindset and you think about just giving, you know, because um, it will give, give back. So, mate, um you you still run a commercial enterprise though, Charlie? Yeah, we sell. Um, we've got cattle, sheep. We're running pigs now. We we sort of got into them maybe ten years ago. Um, we eat all of that ourselves. Um, they're our main products. We also teach other farmers biodynamics, and we make our own biodynamic preparations, soil preparations, and atmospheric preparations, which mm-hmm. essentially have replaced our our old conventional fertilizer um, mm-hmm. regime. And that in itself has been wonderful because we are actually using the resources on our land, essentially cow shit, a lot of it is, um, and some rocks and minerals to create the fertility and enhance the fertility and cycle of fertility that's already there. So, um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're protein producers, I guess you, you, you might say. Um, we are doing some cropping as well to um, not to eat, not, not, not as an end product for humans to eat, but more for cattle and sheep to eat and, and using that as a tool to, it's a bit experimental at the moment, to, to change the biology in the soil mm. to then um, grow better grass and produce better you know, lamb and pork and, and beef. So, um, yeah, no, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely producing stuff. We're, 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 that's um that's that's what we're doing. So we're still yeah we're we're producing food. You know, I think that's essentially what farmers are built to do. And the reason I ask that, mate, is um I guess for our listeners, a lot of them are trying to do things differently. You know, in the in their way, I suppose, better. Um, in an industry that's still doing things very much the way they were always done, and they're coming up against a lot of competitors who are. <clears throat> perhaps not using, you know, full safety equipment or providing as quality an install on the bathroom, for example. And so it's hard to compete out in that marketplace when you've got the incumbent, well-accepted paradigm. Um, 
and then you know we've got a listener who's got a plumbing business or a, a landscaping business or whatever who are trying to do something from a from a place of service and quality and those sorts of uh, aspects that they're all chasing. How how have you found that with your enterprise essentially being up against some of the old school styles of production and perhaps with the uh, you know the price advantages that, that creates. Yeah, so what I guess the short answer there is we sell a sizzle, not just a sausage. You know, everyone's got a story. Um, again, you know, a trader can go out and just install something and build something and do something, absolutely do that, and you, and you won't be much different from the next bloke. But if you can tell the story, you know, share your experience, get on, you know, make social media more of a part of your business, be transparent, be authentic, um, give people, you know, sell the sizzle, sell sell what you're doing, and then you know that will be that will be a point of difference. You know, you can identify the quality of your work, you can identify your personality. You know, and people, yeah, some people just want someone to come in and fix something, but they're going to engage with them at some point. There's going to be some rapport. You know, there's going to be something else that needs fixed. I mean, people would rather choose someone they like than some muppet who's just going to do a job, you know. So if you identify that you are open, you're honest, you're transparent, you're authentic, and the way to do that is, you know, again, social media, I do a fair bit of it. Um, and, it, yes, it can be a tad time-consuming, but, but you know, there is that layer of, I guess, that authenticity. I have no social media strategy at all. I'd love someone to help me pull one together. Right? <laughs> No, no, seriously, I'm, I, I'm just looking at something, taking a photo or looking at dung beetles eating shit and go, that's cool, and I take a video of it. <laughs> um, you know, if I – and I, that works has worked for me to this point because it, oh, I, I guess I'm saying it's authentic because it's spontaneous and that's fine. Um, so, you know, someone who might think that installing a bathroom is quite boring, man, put your, inject a bit of personality into it or someone on your team, it may not necessarily be you, get the young bloody apprentice who's, you know, pretty funny or something and just, you know, they can be your they can be your little, your person on social media, but it, it still represents your business. Um, gives them something to, you know, look forward to it because it's a little 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 additional thing in their little job description there and um, and create that, yeah, that, that point of difference. I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with sort of how much social media goes on in the trading world, um, it does. It would like farming seem like one more bloody thing to think about, but bang um, on, mate. But but you know what? I mean, I'm a farmer. I, I get around doing lots of other things, but you know, who doesn't have a phone in their pocket with a camera on it? No one. Mm. You know, it's in your hand every five minutes. Just snap away. If it doesn't look good, and just, like don't use it or experiment. I mean, no one's gonna. <laughs> your mates might have a go at you. For being really, you know what? I reckon they'll have a go at you because they're going. Oh, I wish I was that courageous to do that. I wish That's I exactly right. Yeah, of course they are. So, I think I think what you're actually talking there to Charlie is passion and sharing your passion. And when you share your passion, people connect with your story. And that's what creates interest and makes you stand out from the five other competitors that come before you that might have a cheaper price or a different structure. When you're sharing your passion, people buy into that and that story and the connection they have with you. And that's what all this is really about, isn't it? It's about the connection that you have, the connection with the land, the connection to the purpose of why you're doing the work in the first place, the connection to the product that you produce in the end. And sharing that connection with your clients in the tradie world is also very much part of that story. Absolutely, and I think 
you know, if there is no longer that spark, if you don't have that passion, then you've got to start asking yourself, well, why are you doing it? You know, if this, if that, if this, if this interview or you know your other interviews and you know or any any anything that that precipitates better questions being asked, especially ones that involve your life and your purpose, and you can't come up with answers that you like the sound of, um, man, that's okay. You know, better to do it now than in, when you're retiring and go, oh, I wasted my whole working life doing something I didn't like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it can be challenging to change, but, you know, I think, you know, people people's lives are too valuable to to not not consider and not ask themselves those questions and not find the purpose. You know, and, and not everyone finds. It. I mean, it's not as though, oh yes, I found my purpose. I'm 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 now a complete human. It's just at least you're on that journey. You know, you're not not complacent. I mean, who wants to be domestic and complacent and comfortable all the time? Mm. When that that'll send you to a grave. <laughs> um, quicker than quicker than anything else, you know. So plenty of, plenty of companies selling that uh, out in the marketplace. We're seeing what, the results uh, of that these days. The old uh, avoid discomfort at all costs. You know, so much of life is set up to to get us to believe that there should be no discomfort, there should be no challenge, there should be no uh, adversity in life, and and I think that's where a lot of people get disillusioned and and probably lose hope is because they're seeing challenge and adversity and and struggle and that's actually where the good shit comes from so um, totally just on that one was i mean you you listed maybe for me with the stoic sort of philosophy and principles and you know as you well clearly know um that's what it's about it's accepting that look life isn't all beer and skittles um if you don't strengthen the muscle you know the muscle between your ears, the muscles in your body, the muscle, you know, your heart muscle, you know, your gut muscle when it comes to food, you know, you, you, um, you've got to prepare, prepare for adversity because it'll come around the corner before you know it. And one of my favourite quotes is, you know, success is the confluence of, of preparation and opportunity. You know, and, it, and, it, and if we're preparing and we're thinking about it and we're, you know, people don't know about the stoic philosophy is just, Google it, there's a heap of stuff there. Because um, opportunity abounds, but you'll only be able to take advantage of it or utilise that opportunity if you are prepared in some way. Love it. Charlie, I feel like this is an opportunity for me to ask a couple of uh, final questions before we let you go and answer that <laughs> ringing phone, mate. Uh, oh, no, I'll shut the door. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, pretend, I'll pretend it's not happening. It's, it's, the, it's the orders rolling in, mate. Someone wants to buy some more cow shit. Um, mate, uh, this is a new one that I've been asking a few people on the show, and, and that is, um, you know, you could sort of pick an age here, but if, if you could uh, meet a younger Charlie Arnott, you know, 18, 20-year-old version of yourself, if you could go back in time and meet yourself at a younger age, at, at that pivotal age, what advice would you give your younger self, knowing what you know now? Uh don't give a shit about what other people think. Bang, mate! You didn't even have to think about that. <laughs> no, because I, because I, I live every day thinking about that. Because there's been many decisions made, many opportunities wasted, many, many things. You know, it's 
it, it, it's if, if I had to nominate a character flaw, it's that. You know, for me, it's been, um, you know, not, not speaking my truth. Mm. That for lots of reasons I didn't. Um, you know, not wanting to offend people, not wanting to, you know, you know, just have conflict, pleasing. You know, that's that's a real. That's been a real. I can I can source many things back back to that that character trait, and um, I'm getting better at it. But that's what I would say to my straight out of school, straight out of uni. You know, speak the truth, and. Um, and, and and you and you will you, that's the most surest footing that anyone can ever ever have you know? no one can ever take that away from you mm. great response mate um the other question which probably seems a bit trot and and um i need to figure out a way for us to to talk about regen ag at some point uh perhaps uh in part two of the podcast which i know you'll want to do on your show mate <laughs> Uh, but but a question I've been asking for years of guests now is if you had a thousand tradies in a room, trade business owners, what's some advice you'd actually give them, mate? Potentially the same as the young Charlie Arnott, but uh, what's what's one piece of advice you'd like to tell them, mate? Oh well, probably I don't know. I've probably covered most of it already. Um, that's a great a great idea. Uh, Great, great question. I'd probably say something like, I don't know, get to get to know yourself better. Because um, often we just get busy, we get distracted, we think we know what we're supposed to be doing. You know, there's expectations on us to do or be or have and all that sort of stuff. I think, and that's another thing, you know, this whole, you know, um, have, do, be. You know, we think we have to have something um, uh, to then be able to do something, and then then that makes us. Then we then can we we can be the person we want to be. But you know, it's all asked about. We we really got to be who we feel we need to be. Um, uh, that's a, that's the primary thing. So getting to know yourself and you know understanding yourself better. Now that can be done in so many different ways, of course. But I think especially for men, you know, and farming men. I was, I was a yarn to someone the other day and, you know, saying the word self-love and farming in the same sentence is like, that's, has that ever happened in the world? <laughs> you know, um, so all your mates go, oh, self-love, you know, what's, what, what's that mean? Although they'll crack funnies about it. But really, at the end of the day, and my wife still badges me about it, which I'm glad she does, Um just being kind to yourself, you know. Be kind to your future self. Hmm. Um, and that could be from a mental point of view, physical, you know, the food you eat, the job you're doing, you know, because that's, you know, you're accountable to yourself and, and, and you'll be accountable to yourself on your, when you, you know, when you retire and you, you, you want to be happy with what you've done with your life. So getting to, know, getting to know the person that is you in your life, I think that's really important. And that, that, I'm happy to say that because it applies to anything, farming, tradies, any vocation, any individual. Mm. Well, mate, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, I know we didn't specifically talk about Regen Ag and, and so... Oh, that's all boring. You know, it's... <laughs> 
It's just about <laughs> dirt, dirt and rain and food and stuff. Rain. Nothing important. It's just food. Um, <laughs> mate, uh, if people do want to find out more about it, and, and look, I – you know, my personal belief is that we we could all do with a healthy dose of education around our food and our food systems. And, and look, if nothing else comes out of uh, the, the shenanigans with COVID, um, I think a lot of people have realised how, how uh, fragile our food systems and our supply networks actually are. Um, where's some good places for people to go to find out more about regenerative agriculture and, and why it could actually be really important for all of us. Oh, there's a whole podcast series just there. <laughs> well, we can do that as a side project, mate. <laughs> um, the look, uh, just 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 quickly. I mean, um, going to farmers markets and talking to the farmers who are growing your food. I think that's really important. Um, uh, and if you don't do it for you, do it for your kids and your and your and your, and your spouse or whatever. I think you know um, uh, that's important. I mean. There's there's a there's a there's a there's a connection between regenerative agriculture, food, and and saving the planet. Um, as as a, a, a friend of mine, Chris Miliota, says, you know, the, the answer to the world's problems are um, uh, what we choose to eat and what's beneath our feet. And if people can start understanding the connection between soil health, the quality of food, the nutritional density of food, their health. Um, going off in one direction, and then also soil quality. You know, the sequester, the, 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 its ability to sequester carbon and essentially, you know, um, mitigate climate change and, and that sort of thing. I mean, this is a pretty significant thing that we're talking about. Um, I encourage everyone to think a bit more about it. You know, um, getting just back to food. Um, uh, yeah, just, just finding out where it's from. Ask better questions. Go to your butcher and say, is this grain-fed or grass-fed? I'm an absolute advocate of grass-fed beef. It's a much more natural way to produce beef, not grain. You know, don't get confused between the two. Say, so has this animal been fed grass all its life and no other grain? You know, that's the animal you want. <clears throat> um, you know, that's, that's, that's one question you can ask your butcher. Going to a grocery store and asking, you know, how fresh is it? Eating stuff that's not got chemicals sprayed on it. I mean, I can say this because I used to do it. I, God knows how much poisoning I've done in my day. Um, you don't want to eat food with chemical on it. I mean, this whole COVID thing, you know, you, you know, look up epigenetics, the way that chemicals in our food is changing the expression of our genes. I mean, this is mind-boggling stuff. And, you know, that is probably one of the most significant things people could do. Okay, Still eat tomatoes, still, still eat bananas. Like, don't change your diet, just change where you're getting it from. Even if you don't ask where it's from, just make sure it's not hasn't got chemical on. That's that is probably the biggest thing I can say to people. It'll change your it'll change so many things. You know, you won't be having so much toxicity in your body. Um, that's significant. And if you're supporting growers who are doing that, you're supporting them to improve the environment for your kids. Like, think of it that way, you know. Mm. Um, leave a leave a legacy through what you eat. You know, vote with your fork. Um, yeah, I, I reckon. You know, if people just do a few of those simple things, you know, without sounding cliche or corny, you're going to change the world. Literally, you know. Mm. Um, and you can be part of that, and you can be proud of that. Cool, mate. And your uh, website is charliearnett.com.au. Is that? That's it. It's under construction. We've got links to the podcast there. 
um, and we are putting a new one together where people, you know, your listeners don't have to be a farmer to use it. You know, we, we've got a section for farmers and all the different sort of couple of types of farmers and they can find sort of answers to questions and, and go on their own regenerative journey. The, my podcast is called The Regenerative Journey. We've got a section for chefs and retailers and where they can go to find food and, and sort of learn up on, on regenerative farming. And then the other section, probably the biggest section really, is eaters, you know. So those who, like, when I want to do go to a conference and I start by saying, put your hand up if you eat food. <laughs> Listen up, you're in the right spot. So we have a section for them where it's about wellness, it's about meditation, it's about, you know, there'll be some subtle energy stuff there. There'll be, um, you know, nutrition about environment so that people can get on and go, well, I'm not a farmer, but this bloke looks interesting. Oh, shit, you know, wow, meditation, probably not a bad thing to think about. Or, you know, Pilates or it might be, you know, <clears throat> we don't run Pilates classes, but we have people who we really love and support who do. And, you know, nutrition is like how can you support the environment? Oh, Join a land care group and plant to help plant trees. Simple stuff. Like having a keep cup, like great, that's lovely, but let's get some on-ground stuff. Let's make some significant change by joining a land care group and going to Burua and helping plant trees for superb parrots. That's that's great. You know, that's what we want people to do. And again, if you don't do it for you, do it for your kids. Take your kids to Burua and plant trees because I love it. Well, mates, uh, I reckon I should probably pull us up there. Otherwise, we're going to hit the two-hour mark, <laughs> um, which would be great for us, but uh, the listeners probably want to have an end to it. So, mate, thank you again for your time today, Charlie. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. And, um, and look, I love the parallels between uh, you know a big industry here in Australia in farming and uh, primary production and the parallels between that and the trades. Um, there is so much to learn from people like you outside of the trade industries. Um, go check Charlie out and the work that he's doing in the Landcare Group. Um, there's so much we haven't talked about today. Um, check out Charlie's podcast called The Regenerative Journey. He has some great guests on there as well. And, um, and above all, I think educate yourselves uh, about changing the paddock between your ears. I love it, mate. Good one. Um, thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Was. Really appreciate the fact that you've had a farmer on your show. I think that says a lot about what you guys are doing, that it's not just about, you know, the silo sort of approach to your industry. Um, we've all got so much to learn from each other and, and, you know, a lot of the principles of business and life apply across the board. So, you know, um, I hope listeners can take a bit of bit of something home um, between their ears after they listen to this. <laughs> and not just weeds. Thanks heaps, Charlie. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. It's been Thanks, a pleasure. Guys. Good one. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.